The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and Southeastern New Mexico could nearly double crude oil production by the year 2023. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Sponsored by Baker Hughes, a GE company inventing smarter ways to bring energy to the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. It's so nice to share time with you all today. I'm so excited. This is our first time having two people on our show at the same time. So I would like to welcome at this time Henry Gratral, the Executive Vice President of A&W Energy, and Jeff Orr, the VP Pump and Field Services. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. This is exciting. So we're, we're so happy you're here. We have a lot of ground to cover. But first, before we get started, I want to ask everyone to help our show out by taking a few minutes to leave a review on iTunes. We are so appreciative of the reviews we've received so far. And for Apple choosing Permian Perspective, to be on their new and noteworthy list. So a very special thank you to Apple. Also, we'd like to thank Clayton for this awesome five-star review. Here's what Clayton had to say. I really enjoy the show. It is really nice to hear other people's stories of how they made it in the Permian. A lot of us know the companies, but not the actual people running the companies. The questioning format is really great. I love to see what makes people successful and it inspires me to hear things that they say. Thank you so much, Clayton, for those kind words, and we look forward to more reviews just like Clayton's. Thank you. Okay, Henry and Jeff, thanks again for being our guests today. This is going to be fun. Let's start off. Henry, tell us a little bit about what A&W Energy Services provides here in the basin. Yeah, not a problem. So A&W Energy is a new company, but it's, it's new and not new. It's new as a name. However, we're combining several other companies that has been in the portfolio for some time, and we really wanted to create a more dynamic organization. So we have the legacy DFW Heavy Duty. We also have A&W Flow. And what they basically do is we manufacture consumables for well service pumps, such as balsam seats, several of the internals of the power ends, and also we're now producing fluid ends. Just because we do that, we also have a, surface, a service capability where we can actually service our own equipment here in the Permian. And in addition, we also can install and disassemble brand new equipment. So we have two facilities here in Midland. We have in South Texas, Argentina, we're all, actually we're also international capable. So very dynamic organization, very new, like I said, focus on customers. That's our number one focus. And our core values really define who we are, which are safety, quality, integrity. Mm-hmm. Then partnership, stewardship, which is very interesting because you don't hear stewardship that often. And it's because the owners of the company really believe in giving back to the community. And that's a big part of what A&W Energy do. I would love to hear more about those core values because I actually looked those up on your website mm-hmm. and I thought, what a great way to really put out into the world exactly what your goal is and what you want for your company, and your team members. Jeff, how long have you been with the company? Right at five weeks. Okay, so welcome to welcome to the basin. You've been here in the basin a little bit longer. Tell us what you think about the Permian so far. Well, the Permian's challenging. I think you know, without the ownership of people living here, it's tough to manage. Overall, it's a diverse area. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on at any given time. One of the things that really makes it challenging is 
you don't know who's going to show up week to week. Yes. So getting the employee commitment and that all falls back to those core values that Henry's talking about. You got to get people to sell into your businesses. Right. And that is so key for someone that's not from the Permian or hasn't spent time here. And I know, Henry, you've been all over the world. Yes. <laughs> so tell me, how is that different because of the employee turnover, as you're, as you're saying? How, how does that make business run different? You know, I will say that I've heard horror stories before I moved to the Permian, right? It's dry, it's ugly, it's, you know. And when I came in, I didn't find that, okay? I found mm-hmm. a place that maybe is not that green, right. okay? But the people are very receptive. People are very proud of the oil and gas market, which is good. So it's not that different. What I'm trying to say is, in all my experience in the world, you have to adapt at the place that you go, and it's not the other way around. And if you understand that, it's very easy to just mingle through the place. Premium is exactly that. Like Jeff said, the number one issue is ho- is keeping people in the region and also building those relationships based on values and other things that is not just money, mm-hmm. so that they really feel attached to your organization. But once you surpass that, I think the Permian is a really good place and it's comparable to any other place in the planet. And it's funny because if you go to other basins in the world, like I can talk about New Kenya in Argentina or talk about the Middle East, they are very similar than the Permian. Really? So the landscape is similar. Mm-hmm. So don't come and tell me that the Permian is too different. It's not. It's just we have to continue to drive more education that people understand what all the Permian can offer for living. And like I said, people are very receptive. And I think, you know, growing families and living here is not as bad as people think. So, Henry, you're from Venezuela. You said that the other basins, are, they're very similar. How, how are they different? Good question. So let me start by saying this. Probably one thing that is different is that everything is bigger in Texas. Mm-hmm. All right? The tumbleweed. Yeah. No, <laughs> the to sunsets. Be honest, I don't think there is any place in the world with 450 rigs, you know, concentrated in such. It's a big amount of land, but it's not that big when we're talking about the world. All right. Mm -hmm. And that makes it tough, makes it tough in the sense of I don't think our infrastructure is there yet for the growth that we have experienced. Talking about roads, you know, for me, a culture shock was the first time that I drove myself in from Pecos in 287 all the way to the north side in Carlsbad. Mm -hmm. Those are dangerous roads Mm -hmm. and they have to be improved. Right. And I think that's the challenge that all the oil industry has, where we have to work really close to the cities to make those roads and those things more safe. So that's the only thing that is different mm-hmm. is the concentration. There is so much work and so many things happening in the Permian that it feels like we're trying to catch up with that work and we were not prepared for it. And that's what we have to improve. I think that's a great point to make because anyone that is new to the basin they may not realize how bad the roads are. And you really have to be safe. I believe there was a time in in my broadcasting career on the news where I was announcing a fatality a day, at least, on the roads. And our goal, really, we need to lower that statistic. Jeff, let's talk about those core values that A&W Energy brings and how that can help keep employees at your location because I think that is really key here in the basin. Right. So... You know, it starts with integrity. If you can create a core group of people that have the same common goal based on integrity, 
think you're successful right there. Mm-hmm. You know, the safety and all that falls into place once you center around integrity. So I'm a big believer that integrity drives your business. Mm-hmm. And of course, you, you want to keep everyone safe. That is absolutely paramount in, in our business. Yeah, if, if we're not keeping people safe, we're not working. So, you know, you lose customers based on your scores and you lose employees that lose faith in the business from being safe. What makes you stand out as a company compared to maybe some of your competitors or counterparts? I really think that what, so so I think in two words, it's inspiring and, the, you know, being dynamic. So dynamic is how quick we can respond. One thing that has categorized us better than some of our competitors is how quick we can, we can respond to customer needs. For example, yesterday, 4th of July, I was copying an email of some valves that some competitor was sending to a location and they disappear. And our chief commercial officer that is in California right now, right, Mm -hmm. having his time off, he was on an email, he called in the warehouse and he got the valve shipped that day, that minute, just to fulfill that customer need that some competitor was not able to do it. Right. Without a PO, you know, I'm not saying that You know, we don't like to do the things well, having a PO first, all of that, but we never let a customer down. So that dynamism is one thing that really brings INW Energy different. Mm -hmm. And the second part is, like I said, is the innovative part is we're building all these core values, which I've been part of. And this is something that I believe profoundly on. And the stewardship part is, is different because we really want to do not just good for our customers. We want to do it for our partners, which are our suppliers and our employees and also our communities. Mm-hmm. And we put our actions where, my, where our mouth is. Yes. And we keep doing it. So that, that for me is some of the reasons that really invited me six months ago to join this organization. And no days off, right? No mm-hmm. days off. It was 4th of July. No days, no days off. To be honest, <laughs> I, I think I... You know, with, with a careful balance, I think you everybody needs to have their time off and really decompress from work. But the full disconnection in oil and gas doesn't exist. Right. And what I mean by that is if I'm off for X amount of days, I might see my cell phone every now and then, but I know Jeff is taking my place, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. We always have somebody that secures that at a high level, even at the executive level, we have somebody that can respond to a customer if something happens. Teamwork. Yes. I always love hearing the stories of how people got here to the Permian. I think it's probably one of the questions most people ask when, when you meet somebody, right? Well, how did you get here? So let's go ahead and start. Jeff, let's start with you. How, how did you get here? That trip started in about 2004. Started working for Halliburton in Grand Junction. Went to college there at Mesa State. Played baseball back in the day. That's what got me to Colorado from California. Hey, um, shout out to all our California friends, but both Jeff and I are from California. <laughs> little Artichoke Town, Castroville, California, if yeah. anybody knows that. Mm-hmm. And then worked for Halliburton till 2011, and then took a big jump and moved my family from Durango, Colorado to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow, that is a big jump. Yeah, so went switched companies at that time and was in the Northeast from... 2011 till 2014, and then in 2014, I was relocated down here to take over the Permian for the company I was working with at the time, and I've been here ever since. 
And you've really worked from the ground up in, in oil and gas. Yeah, started out as a pump operator for Halliburton and worked my way through various management positions, whether it be the Northeast, the Peons, or the Permian. What has helped you grow that fast into the position you're at today? Hard work and dedication and falling back to the integrity thing, right? If you have integrity and you have ambition and motivation, you can work your way up. There's plenty of opportunity in oil and gas. Great. Well, we're so glad you're here, Henry. Let's hear your route. How did you get here to the Permian? Yeah, so my road was a little bit longer than his. I grew up in Caracas, Venezuela. Venezuela is an oil country, and I was not involved in oil at all. So I graduated as an engineer. I started working in other companies, mostly in operations. And then in 2010, you know, we had some life-changing things happening in Venezuela with, you know, bad political regime and other things. And I decided to come to the U.S. and do an MBA and, you know, see my options. And while I was doing my MBA in Houston, I was able to meet some people at FMC at the time, FMC Technologies. Let's give a shout out to Rice, your yeah, Rice grad. Yeah, I'm a Rice grad, yes. yes. And in Technip FMC, at, at the time, FMC Technologies, they hired me for a business role. And then, you know, I spent nine years, eight years there. You know, I traveled all over the world. I had several different roles. And my last one was being the regional manager of all the surface business here in the Permian. And that's when I met Jeff. Jeff and I worked together there, and I was always intrigued on how, you know, how can I do on my own, right? Mm -hmm. what, what can I do differently with my life after, you know, I, I had a very successful career in a large corporation where I moved, like I told you before the forecast a couple of times, in and outside of the U.S. And, you know, I, I took the chance to meet the owners of, of the DFW Heavy Duty at the time, and we built this project called A&W Energy, and I joined them, and I'm very happy, you know, that two things. Number one, I believe the growth in the Permian is sustainable and is stable for at least the next 10 years. So I think it's the right time to continue to invest and grow in the Permian. And like I said before, I'm putting my actions where my mouth was. You know, I've been six months with them, and like I said, three years in the Permian, and is counting. I'm moving to forward, but I'm going to still be very attached to the Permian region. I hear that a lot, that we're sustainable for the next at least 10 years. And for those of us who have been here in the basin or just in oil and gas know the ups and downs of the oil and gas business. We wish we had that crystal ball, <laughs> right? How do, how do we know and what are we do, you're, you doing, I should say, as a company to have that sustainability? Okay, so so... Let me leave the company out for a second. Let's talk about big things. Okay. And I'm going to ask you a question to make this more proactive. Oh, exciting. I never, I'm always the one asking the questions. This so is let fun. me ask you a question. Yes. So if I pay you $3, will you carry me from here to the door outside of your building? For $3? Yes. Sure, why not? Sure. I weighed about 200 pounds. <laughs> okay, it might be dragging you. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I can carry you. <laughs> so, so why am I asking this question? Okay. Because today we have cars that are taking you 30 miles with $3. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that for me is not that sustainable, right. right? Because a gallon of water is more expensive than a gallon of gas. You're saying I would have collapsed the minute I stepped yes. out of my office, That's right? <laughs> well, then there's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff could have helped you. I was like, Jeff, help me out here. <laughs> so my point is, you know, the, we still need oil and gas, mm -hmm. okay? 
you know, we, we talk about electric cars, for example, that's 25% of the problem. Okay, the R75 aviation thing, they still need oil. And reality is the oil demand is about 100 million barrels a day, just to put it in simple terms. And according to the EIA, it's going to continue to be like that, even grow a little bit on the 102 in the next four years. So my point is, having that, they are depending on the 12, 13, 14 million barrels that North America can produce. And even if you look at the numbers today, what it was a year ago and two years ago, recount has dropped down. However, the production remains more because we have more wealth producing, longer laterals, all of that. But Permian represents 45% of that. Mm -hmm. So that's not changing. Yeah. And regardless of, you know, one thing that scares me about the oil and gas industry is that it's volatile for some things that are not real. You know, our president comes out and says something and it changes the price of oil. There is no real background on why it should change. So at the end, it's more emotional than mm -hmm. really the data. And the data, what it's telling us is we need 100 million barrels a day to survive with the current technology we have for the next 10 years. The contribution for North America is 15% or 12 to 15% of that. Half or 44% of that comes from the parent. So I remember three years ago when I came here, we were producing 3.8 million, million barrels. Sorry. And everybody talked about in 2020, we will produce five. And people were like, there is no way we're going to get to five. Today, mm -hmm. we're at 5.4. Wow. Okay. And today, people are talking about eight for 2030. So I do believe that growth will happen. It is sustainable. It is sustainable. <laughs> yeah. And I think... You know, the, the price of oil will stay where, it, where it's at, go down and up like this industry is. However, you know, we still have work to do. And if we're talking about drilling rigs, we have 400 and something active, but we already have 3,000 plus docks, which are drilling on completed wells. So we have 10 months of work already in our doors. We just have to get a little bit more consistency on our price you know, concessions on, on the pressure pumping side. And we should have a bright future, honestly, for, like I said, you know, I, I, I'm very confident for the next five to 10 years. Fantastic. I know you're right. I, I love this. And I, I love hearing the way that you really explained it, because I think that was a great explanation. I've heard a lot of people just say, well, that's just what the forecasters are saying. But I love that you had the information to back that up. So fantastic. You mentioned growth. What are some of the challenges that we have for growth? And you also mentioned technology. I'd like to dive into those. Yeah, I think so. Honestly, Jeff, let me ask you a question. You know, when, when you started in pressure pumper to today, how different is the game? Well, the volumes are bigger and bigger, which require more resources. You go from 50 to 100,000 pound sand stages to 500,000 to a million, now you're adding people, adding equipment to the equation. Mm -hmm. So that, for me, that's what technology has advanced, right? Five, a little bit more. In 2014, at the peak, people were talking about $70, you know, break-even cost in, in certain locations in the U.S. Today, there are locations that are unconventional, which is fracking and all of that, that are in the low teens of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, technology is there. It's not completely where it should be because we have to figure it out what to do with the gas and the produced water. 
Mm-hmm. So again, there are exciting challenges for these new professionals coming out of engineering and all these science background to really help us. Okay, there is mm-hmm. there is some technology that needs to happen. There is a lot that has happened, and we certainly need to continue to develop it to get to where we want to get, which is the eight million barrels in the Permian, etc. With technology, of course, we we all want to have jobs, and yep. you, there's always that fear: will technology replace team members? What what is your take on that? I mean, we've seen it already from 2014 till now. How, what's the recount difference? Yeah, half. Yeah, so we're at half. As the laterals get longer, people are going to be replaced. That's that's it. But there's other ways of sustaining. The sand volumes are up, so maybe those rig workers are driving a sand truck now. You know, just adjusting to and yeah. transitioning into the times. Exactly. So I think the the overall headcount to complete a well is still there. It's just in different areas. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Let, let's talk a little bit about some of the lessons that you have both learned in this industry that maybe we could pass on to someone that is new to the industry. The biggest life lesson learned for you? Hard work pays off. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think no, nothing replaces the hard and smart work ethic. You know, it's not just the amount of hours. is because we don't have enough time in the day to do all the things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. So it's picking the ones that matter the most and doing it correctly. That, for me, is what I tell every young professional that comes to me. And they ask me, sir, what, what do I need to do for my next role? And I ask, how successful are you in the one that you're in? That's a good you know, way, so yeah, to it, put it in their court. Exactly. Really it's about the now. You have to think about your future, but it's about the now. It's how much time, dedication, and energy you put in your role. And in, in this industry, like Jeff said, there are a lot of open roles. So if you are dedicated, you have integrity, and you believe in the core values that the industry believe, like safety and quality, you will have opportunities to grow. Jeff? So piggyback into what Henry said. My biggest thing is never burn a bridge. Mm-hmm. Oil field, extremely small. I've got tons of people down here that I worked with in the Piants or in the Northeast that I see on the daily basis. And I could only imagine if those relationships ended up sour, mm-hmm. what kind of position that would put me in. So good. It's a small, small world in yes. the oil and gas industry. I love that. Both great pieces of advice. Thank you so much for sharing. Do you have a favorite quote that you live by? I have one from Theodore Roosevelt, former president of the U.S. And it says exactly what I said before. Keep your look at the stars, but your feet on the ground. Mm. So you need to know where you want to go, but you need to know where you are today. And that, for me, that's my life motto. I love that. Good one. And Henry uses that one so much, it's in my head. It's now your favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Let's talk about motivating others. Sometimes when you're in the daily grind and you're working and you've worked, as as you know, sometimes you're working three weeks without a day off and, and then it's t- you know, you're out there away from your family. How do you motivate your team members to keep going and, and keep, keep the eye on the ball? Our jobs, you know, once you get to an office and some people doesn't get it right, is to secure that the people in the field are going to be successful. And in order to do that, I say, and I learned this from some other folks as well, four things are needed. You need them to have the right state of mind, the right tools, 
the right procedures and the right training. So for me, that's motivation. If you help people be successful, they are motivated because majority of the people that we hire in the oil industry to be in the field, their character are winners because they are people that like to win. Mm -hmm. They like to be alone. They like to be outdoors. So their personality drive them and motivate them when they're winning. So that's what I have in my mind all the time is I understand how hard that work is because I did it somewhere in some fashion when I was, you know, learning in, in throughout my career in operations. And as long as you give them the right tools, the right training, the right procedures, and they bring the right state of mind and they are winning, mm -hmm. they are motivated. And sometimes that's even more important than salary or other things. Right. And in the values, which is the, the overarching structure for that is you have to keep them safe. They need to understand that we need to do quality work. Mm -hmm. The integrity has to be there. They're going to be okay. Very good. That, that circles back to what Henry said with core values. It, it starts there. And then as you know, you run into the, not having the right procedure, not having the right tools. It's your job to correct it and get it fixed. And then the state of mind thing, you got to show your employees you care too. So say an employee comes into work and maybe he's got some marital issues or she, and you got to tell him, hey, why don't you go home, get it right. We'll put the next person up so mm -hmm. that the job is completed correctly. You got to show that care mm -hmm. and nurture that. Those relationships are key. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that maybe we haven't talked about yet today and you knew you were coming into this interview and you're like, oh, I really hope that that comes across to the to our listeners and that they get to know this about either you personally or A&W Energy? It's a good question. To be honest, what you're getting is genuine because I didn't have that much time to prepare. <laughs> that's so good. I'm, I like that. A fresh interview. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you what I, and, and that's what, how I am. You know, my only point will be that I would like more younger generation coming out fresh from college to not be afraid to join oil and gas and afraid maybe not not the right word but be more attractive to the oil and gas industry you know it's some people see it old-fashioned and that's not reality every company is taking high risks putting younger and younger people in higher and bigger roles we need more people in those roles because there is a generation that is retiring right now and for the people that are passionate, there is so much to do. Like I said, there are big challenges. What to do with the produced gas? What to do with the produced water? We're, it's, you know, it, we definitely need, need more fresh minds. Mm -hmm. And I would love to get more of that younger generation being excited about coming into the oil and gas industry. So pretend I was young and yes. I, you were talking to me about getting into the industry. Give me your 20-second pitch on why I should go into what you're doing or something similar. 20-second pitch will be you're going to have your hands dirty the first day. You're going to make an impact because everything that you touch can change the life of others, especially for bad. So you have to be very careful. Third, there are big challenges to fix. Fourth, you have a career path, basically guaranteed if you perform correctly. Because I don't see the oil and gas industry, like I said before, you know, leaving our, our minds in the next mm -hmm. 20 years. 
Great pitch. I wish I was younger. I would have jumped into this industry <laughs> earlier. Thank you, Henry. Jeff, how about you? Anything that you wanted to really get across about your company, yourself, and, and let our listeners know? I think what Henry's saying there, too, is a lot of people that I run into in the oil field say, you know, if they have kids, they're like, oh, I don't want my kid following in my footsteps. You know, I want them to go do something else. I'd gladly welcome my 14-year-old or my 12-year-old to grow through the oil field. I think there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of really great companies out there that support the business and have that longevity behind them. So that's that's what I would say. And, and, and you said something there really good, which reminds me. So I have two girls, two daughters, and they both already, I believe, they understand about the oil industry, right? Because <laughs> I've been there since they were born. Right, and they're what, five and two? Five and two. <laughs> and honestly... You see more and more women getting into the workplace in oil and gas. Yes. And I think that's very exciting. And you even see now the billboards are changing when you see more women with FR clothes going into the field. So, you know, like Jeff said, I won't have any problems with any of my daughters deciding to do a career in oil and gas. Actually, I would love to coach them. That would be So fantastic. they don't make the mistakes that I make. Yes, yeah, that'd need make more it women. a lot easier on us coaching them because we've been there. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, and that's what I love about this podcast is we learn from each other. And mm -hmm. I appreciate you both sharing time. That was fun. I loved having two guests. I really enjoyed that. And I want to let our listeners know how they can reach out to you on social media in case they want to get in touch with A&W Energy. Yeah. So my name is Henry Graterol, like you mentioned before, in LinkedIn. So that's the best tool that I use to network with people you know, in the workplace. So feel free to reach me out over there. Great. And Jeff Orr on LinkedIn. That's that's what I've got with AW Energy. Fantastic. Thank you both so much for sharing. We wish you the best with the new company. I know it's going to do great things. It already has a history of success, and I know it will continue. So thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate you. It is time now for today's community MVP. And today's MVP is the United Way and Senior Life Midland. Now, the United Way Day of Action recently took place. It is an annual invitation for people and organizations around the world to live united and come together to harness volunteer spirit. Well, last week, the United Way of Midland staff volunteered at Senior Life Midland to prepare meals for their Meals on Wheels program. And I just want to say a huge shout out to Saul Herrera, who was just fantastic in that program. I've known him for 21 years, and he is just amazing in his role there. This program prepares and delivers hot, nutritious meals to the elderly, disabled, and homebound. Thank you so much to Senior Life Midland and United Way for making our community so wonderful. Again, a big thank you to our sponsor, Baker Hughes, a GE company. They are inventing smarter ways to bring energy to the world. Well, that concludes this episode of Permian Perspective, the story behind the oil and gas leaders in the Permian Basin. Again, thank you to Henry and Jeff from A&W Energy. They were fantastic guests today. And remember my life motto, dream big and believe in yourself. You make it a great day. Hey, it's Julie here, and I have a few OGGN announcements before we're heading into the events on deck. Street team, we are still taking volunteers for our street team. We're only asking for an hour of your time per week in exchange for perks such as free entry to our happy hours, shirts, networking with other young professionals in our group. The group is within Facebook, but you do not have to have a Facebook to join. Just send me an email. The link will be in the show notes and I can get you started. Our happy hours. We are actually moving to quarterly happy hours rather than monthly. So our next Houston happy hour 
as well as Midland will be in August or September. Be on the lookout for that date. You'll get an invite if you're on the list. If not, you can sign up on the list below. And then we are launching another happy hour in Denver in August. So if you're interested in that one, the link is in the show notes as well to be notified. We don't have a date or details for that yet, but they're coming up. Okay, now on to the events on deck. We have Golf for Good on June 11th, 2019 in Houston, Texas. All proceeds go to help Redeemed Ministries with our long-term recovery program and safe house to help victims of human trafficking become survivors. So mark your calendars and be ready to golf for good with Redeemed and our organizers Global SEM Energy and Red M. For more information on how to sponsor or register, just click the link in the show notes. Data-Driven Drilling and Production Conference is June 11th through 12th in Houston, Texas. This is where Silicon Valley meets oil and gas. Register at the link in our show notes below. The Energy and Data Conference is June 17th through 19th in Austin, Texas. This forward-looking conference will include the latest in digital transformation trends as they relate to the energy sectors with topics such as machine learning and data management storage, oil and gas development and drilling production, and more. Link down below. Energy Exposition is June 26th through 27th in Gillette, Wyoming. The Energy Exposition is for those who would like to know more about procedures, technology, safety, environmental practices, and equipment used in the oil and gas industry. And again, the link is in our show notes. Argentina Oil and Gas and Energy Summit 2019 is on July 10th and 11th in Buenos Aires. This summit's actually the first and only official event for the Argentinian oil and gas and energy industries. It will present a unique platform for networking that will bring together existing and future operators in the oil and gas industry in Argentina and Latin America. Next up is the 2019 IPANM annual meeting that Mark, Jake, and Paige will actually be speaking at. This will be July 24th through 26th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this year's theme is addressing operator needs in 2019. And next up is Desk and Derek Fort Worth second annual shoot for the future clay shoot. This clay shoot will be on July 26th in Decatur, Texas. And then last but not least, Summer Nape. This is going to be August 21st and 22nd to where the deals happen. Tune in next week for another episode of Permian Perspective, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at www.oggn.com.